On BSB OT, some number, Gregory and I back on a Wednesday mm. night after Elaine Vigneault and the Flyers take the Rangers 4-3 in a game where Chris Kreider scores a hat trick, Igor Shesterkin gets absolutely peppered and destroyed, <laughs> Strom does exactly what he always does, Mika Zibanejad mm. uh, continues to pay tribute to Rick Nash, and here we are. Boy, you gotta... You're, I'm not, I don't accept your Rick Nash. I, 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 no, listen, it's very clear at this point. But it, it's very clear Mika, at this point that I'm going to end up killing you. Mika, Mika really needs to learn something other than the backhand. It's. It seems like we, they figured that one out, Mika. Maybe you do another move at this point. It's. Uh, I don't blame Mika for the first breakaway, just to be clear. It, it was a wobbling puck. It's fun to poke fun at him, but it... He did a look a lot like well, himself tonight, to be honest, he, for the most part. But here's the thing. I, with Mika, I don't think it's us poking fun. It's it's kind of heartbreaking how snake-bitten he is. Stroman's poking fun. Oh, yeah. Because he, he's, he's failing at a level that is only comical. Zibanejad's failing at a level that is more tragic than comical. It's not like, it's not like Zibanejad is missing open nets. It's not like his stick is disintegrating every time he touches the puck. Zibanejad is getting the quote-unquote good looks. But he's just not finishing. Some of it is his fault, but some of it is just bad luck. With Strom, it it seems like there's a there's a question of talent involved in what he does. But with Mika, it's it's heartbreaking. It's so funny because Ryan Strom has been like semi good all year. He's actually been pretty productive for the most part, and he has a lot of great plays. But then when it comes to the like, hey, that's a wide open net. Should I hit that? He just can't do it. I don't know why he can't. He can't well, it's get not past just it. that. It's just, he's getting to a point now where he's just constantly making the bad decision too. He's making an extra like it was Georgiev that told him in practice to stop making the extra pass and just shoot the damn puck. And it feels like Strom took that advice as a challenge to not just make the extra pass, but make the least successful opportunity pass now too. It's. It, it boggles the mind what Ryan Strom does. The jokes literally – it's gotten to a point where I don't have good jokes for Ryan Strom. It's essentially just typing his name and maybe putting I, in a different emoji. I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter who – because we're kind of out of the Ryan Strom jokes, all of us. It's kind of like, hey, they're jokes write themselves, right? That's what you have to say now when Ryan Strom does anything. Yeah, yeah. jokes write themselves. <laughs> what else can you do? <laughs> That's it. There's nothing else. <laughs> There's, uh, there's, there, all the jokes are done. There's, you know what's interesting about tonight's game, Greg? And I people, people will get angry at me super right away. Uh, hmm. I'm going to give some credit to David Quinn. <laughs> oh, God. I know. I'm sorry. The the team, I know they looked, there, there are plenty of things you can make fun of David Quinn for tonight. Really. The team looks undisciplined. Some of the shifts are bad. Uh, but the team, the results are very similar. He is consistent. Just no matter who's on the ice or not, the Rangers have been in pretty much one goal or or game winning situations or game tying situations all season. No Truba, no Heedle, no Kako, no Miller. Jack Johnson out there, Potato and Hayak just swimming along, paddling, trying to survive at this point in time. And somehow David Quinn gets this team and and tons and tons and all the credits of Chris Kreider and Mika Zabinajad and Ryan Strom who set Chris Kreider up for these goals. Chris Kreider had three yards worth of three goals tonight, or rather one yard worth of three goals. But cre- credit where credit is due for David Quinn. He went like this. This team is still somehow tr- so close to winning when they have absolutely no business right now competing at any level. I'll, I'm going to clap back a little bit. Go I, for it, please. I Because while you're trying to give credit to David Quinn, I need to give credit to Elaine Vigneault. 
because Ugh. tonight's game such an was AV game the most Elaine Vino game I think I've ever seen in my entire life. The Flyers were the superior team for the majority of the night. The Rangers were without five of their best what seven players for the entirety of the game. Their best two Elaine forwards. Vino, their were their second best defender. Their third best defender. They were without their, their entire second pairing. They're without their entire second pairing. Yes. And it, it again, it's not just that the Rangers were without their entire second pairing. It's that the Rangers were playing with four defenders named Jack Johnson, Brendan Smith, Anthony Potato, and Lieber Hayek. Uh, they're without Panarin, their best player, flat out. They're without Heedle, their second best center, and their most consistently um, producing center. They're without Kako, who has been either their third best winger of the year or second best winger this entire season. The, the Rangers had no business being in this game. And it looked like the Rangers had no business being in this game in the first period. But Elaine Vigneault looked like he wanted the Rangers to be in this game more than the Rangers wanted to be in this game. The Flyers coming out to start the third period and completely turtling and essentially trying to just Whew. not lose. Not fun was to the watch. the most AV thing I've seen in my entire life. Yeah. If I was a Flyer fan, I'd be sick of that entire game. I would not be we, – if we were on this podcast, if this was a Flyer podcast, first of all, it would be like, blah, 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 life is terrible, I hate everything because I'm a Flyer fan. And that second thing – Good impression. Would be uh, – we'd be just bitching and moaning about how you can't even be happy about this win because the Flyers didn't want it. They didn't want it. I don't know how else to describe it. The Rangers took what I think was I, – I should look it up, but it's at least five penalties the Rangers took. They had a one minute and 30 seconds, five. five on three, yes. in which – for the first 40 seconds of that five on three, two of the three Rangers on the ice were Brett Howden and Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson, who, by the way, decided just to take a seat for that entire shift. <laughs> he was just on the ice. Hey, for reasons. Can you argue with the I results? Can't you can't argue with them. They, they, they I, didn't I can't score. Argue because they weren't generating results. It's just like the Flyers were so mesmerized by Jack Johnson literally sitting down that they were like, wait, no, uh, we, we can't shoot the puck at Jack Johnson, right? This must be a cheat code of some kind. He's doing something here. He wasn't doing anything. The Flyers, I, I, I honestly, I, I, I understand that we lived through years. What, three of the half, – half of this podcast lifetime was yes, spent sir. with Elaine Vigneault? Elaine Vigneault. And some of our best rants are Elaine Vigneault related. We were big fire AV guys. I, I was the big last person. I would, to be fair, I was the last person on that train. I really you was. You were. I was on that train the day they signed the extension. Yeah, you were. Uh, but that game – was just the most Vino game I think I even Vino at his Vinoist with the Rangers didn't get to this level of Vino that he got to tonight. It was it was masterful. So while you want to give credit to David Quinn for keeping the Rangers involved in this game, some credit deserves deserves to go there. But to me, this was just a masterclass of Elaine Vino's ineptitude as a head coach in the National Hockey League. Isn't it funny though, like how Sometimes I don't know what coaches do in the NHL, as crazy as that sounds. I just don't know. Like, when Jacques Martin comes in here, our penalty kill looks entirely different than it looks last year. It's night and day. I don't understand. Obviously, the coaching is working. But Elaine Vigneault, no matter where he goes, that same style of turtle in the third period hockey, which is a, a semi... like it's, it's kind of the James Harden, the regular season style of hockey that allows you to succeed... It follows him everywhere he goes, no matter the talent he has. It must be his structure or the way, whatever he's doing. But it is insufferable to watch as a fan if you are a Flyer fan. And 
pretty fun for a Ranger fan like us. We got to relive it, unfortunately, but to watch it from the other side, you could tell they were turtling, and that's exactly what they were. If Mika could finish on one of those breakaways, there were definitely opportunities for the Rangers to well, tie I mean, this all, game. Black, Black, Blackwell left two on the doorstep. That's for sure. Like If, if Blackwell finishes one of those two... Um, if Panera's in this game, they win. I'm sorry. Like, they do. So, I, I have a hot... I don't know if this is a hot take, but I... I I think in context, this is an important take. I think it was clear that the New York Rangers missed Keandre Miller tonight more than they missed Artemi Panarin. Well, yeah, that's not that hot of a take, I don't think. Uh, yeah, because again, I, the difference, it, it's not that Panarin is a, like, Keandre Miller is not a better player than Artemi Panarin. That's not, not what you're what saying I'm at all. To no, I know what you're right. saying. But it, the Rangers, even with Mika Zibanejad at his coldest, all, all it needs is for Zibanejad and Kreider to get cooking, which they were tonight. And you can kind of sort of make up for what Artemi Panarin does in the offensive zone. But you simply can't put Jack Johnson in for Keandre Miller and expect things to be hunky-dory. And Johnson had horrific moments tonight, but we've been pretty positive or kind to Lieber Hayek since he's come back in the lineup. The kayak, yes. Tonight was a night where the Rangers needed Hayek to step up and be more than just serviceable, and he just, he just dropped the ball. Be it on the penalty kill that directly led to a goal – or um, him and Potato. The Potato turnover late in the third period that eventually resulted in a penalty. The, the, both of them were just... That's why good teams don't have third pairings that are Hayek and Potato. And that's why if you're the New York Rangers and you're down defensemen like they are, sure, I don't think there are many, very many teams that could survive without their entire second defensive pair especially when that second defensive pair is also integral to their penalty kill. And in the case of Jacob Trubo, also a part of their power play. But I mean, let's be honest. Miller was part of the power play too. Exactly. Because he was the backup to Truba, and, and, and he was also guys. getting power play time when Truba was around. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's it, no, no, I'm not trying to suggest that any team can survive without two significant injuries like that defensively, but this goes to a larger point with the New York Rangers where, their depth at defense is just not good enough. And we've we've learned a lot about Lieber Hayek, where we feel pretty confident if Hayek is your one of your bottom pairing defenders or your seventh defenseman, basically only using him in sheltered situations, he can be fine. But a night like tonight, where you you don't have any other choice but to expose Lieber Hayek to a fairly talented hockey team, he gets eaten alive. And this is the lesson. We we felt we knew this lesson. We we were pretty sure we knew this lesson. And this could this I don't want to come off as a guy that's overreacting to one game, all that nonsense. But the the proof is in the pudding when you really look at it. We we have enough evidence with Lever Hayek where I'm fairly confident he can't be in your bottom pair. And he can't be a guy in your bottom pair that has to be elevated. If injuries do happen, Rangers, the Rangers need to do more, whether that's Tarmo. I, I, we don't know whether that's guys like Zach Jones in the future. We don't know whether it's the Rangers just doing the simple things, Ryan, like signing veteran defensive depth, actual playable defensive depth, like the John Merrill's. I, well, of the I world. think Hayek was, was legitimately going to be an eighth or ninth defenseman. And Unfortunately, due to the Tony situation, due to the Truba injury, due to literally everything else that's happened, Keanu Andrew Miller being out, Hayek is here. 
Now your depth on this is the this is the failure, and this is not going to be a surprise to anybody listening at home. The failure is signing Jack Johnson to above the minimum. That's the failure, and that it doesn't help. That's for sure. No, it doesn't help. It 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 that means your bottom four. Like, hey, Boteto, I think that was a good signing. I think you and I could agree. Like what he's done so um, far, he what he's done so far is is good. It it at least it, there was there. I, I don't know. But was I, Merrill, see, that's that's was Merrill a better I, option? I, I, yes. I'll push back. I'll push back Ryan a little bit on the good talk. Okay. I think, I think Potato has been as much of what we could have asked him to be. I like the expectations for Potato were extremely low, and he hasn't been worse than those expectations. But I do think when the Rangers signed Potato, there were clear holes in his game too. And it's not like but the he's Rangers a, he's a minimum had no other player. choice. I'm not worried about him. You know what I mean? Well, like what, I, you're no, saying, like you should be worried. What you should be worried about is how the New York Rangers are evaluating these depth defensemen. I guess because, I am worried a little bit, a little bit about that, it, mostly because of Jack Johnson. The Potato, but thing, Botetto, Botetto was ranking as one of the worst defensemen as well coming out of last season. So you, it's almost like if you want to say Jack Johnson, the Rangers ignored the analytics with him because he had history with Martin, he has history with John Davidson, he had history with all these guys, and the Rangers felt his locker room presence was going to bring something to this team. If you want to make the argument that the Rangers ignored his metrics for all that off the ice stuff, you can't make the same argument for Anthony Potato, who was, I think in the bottom 10 in defensive um, responsibilities last year. That's his numbers were almost as bad. Yeah. I guess if that's the case, I cannot make that case for Anthony Potato. Maybe they saw something that we didn't, Maybe their stats brought out something that we didn't see. There's very unlikely, to be honest with you. I understand that. But but for, for what Potato is, and maybe there was better depth signings, that's not something I'm freaking out about. I'm really not. The The thing I would be freaking out about, and I still am, is the Jack Johnson signing, because that's a guy that's supposed to be, that's a person you should be having in depth that should be able to play significant second line minutes if an injury like this occurs to Keandre Miller or Jacob Truba. And we do not have that player. There's no one there. Maybe Tarmo is the answer. Right now, Greg, is, is that the only answer available to us? I don't think there's even another option because of all the defensemen we've gone through this year. If you don't and bring. That's unfair. And that's quite honestly unfair to Tarmo. Super. Which is. It, it's that, that that's the other element of this where the Rangers, again, we don't really consider the Rangers a playoff team this year. Um, if they were fully healthy, we thought they would be frisky, which they have been so far this season. But when four of your defensemen are guys like Smith and Johnson and Botetto and Hayek, forget about it. You're, you're essentially just hoping and praying that a team capitulates like the Philadelphia Flyers did tonight. It's unfair to then say, well, this is the role we need Tarmo Runanen to play this year, his first true exposure to North American hockey. That's, again, bad planning. And it's, it's not David Quinn not giving certain players a chance here. That's roster construction and organizational depth. That goes a level beyond David Quinn's pay grade. We're now asking questions about Jeff Gordon that we've asked before. We've had questions about how the New York Rangers evaluate defensemen. Those questions are only being, those questions aren't being answered. They're just being more loudly spoken at this point in time. And again, it's, it's, this isn't entirely fair. The Rangers are essentially playing without half of their opening night, uh, six defensemen. They're playing with, and it's not like the Rangers lost their bottom pairing defensemen. They lost Tony D'Angelo, Keandre Miller, and Jacob Truba. 
That's now, that's those, serious talent, dude. Yeah, it, it again, and Miller and Trooper were playing so well that this this can't be this can't be uh, ignored to a certain extent. But this is what happens when you don't bring in the necessary pieces to give yourself options. Like you said, this is why the Jack Johnson signing is as bad as it was because not only is it keeping a more talented player off the New York Rangers roster, it's putting you in a situation where you have no choice but to play an absolute zero. Well, and then it, 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 it capitulates when you have Anthony Potato because it's another problem where, sure, if Potato needs to play, if Potato's the emergency guy to plug into your bottom six because you've had three injuries on your defense, okay, that's fine. That's not the end of the world. But the problem is he wasn't like he was the seventh defenseman. The part of the plan was for the Rangers to play Anthony Potato in certain situations. Three, three games is was the plan. Well, he, still, it's three games that the Rangers were essentially throwing away. <sighs> it's I, tough. It, it, it's I hard. don't think either of us one, went into this podcast no. go, expecting to go on. One more why point about Rangers Jack Johnson that, and why it's so bad. goddamn bad. It's because when you sign Jack Johnson to a contract like that, at least you can say, okay, if we're bad, we can at least recoup some value for the money we're spending on Jack Johnson and trade him. Oh, but it's Jack Johnson, so you cannot recoup that value by trading him for a third or fourth round pick because I don't think a veteran team is going to trade for Jack Johnson. And if they do, God bless Gordon, top to bottom. We'll be right back. We're taking a break. Transition. All right, we're back. That was enough of potato. Oh, that was enough of potato talk for me for the next two weeks. Um, I guess the the one thing we should say is. I was really impressed by Chris Kreider tonight because not only because uh, he scored three goals on one yard worth of actual puck movement, but because it looked like the Chris Kreider of old. And what I mean by that is it's a guy who clearly saw the, all the talent was down and knows he's been invisible and has been a notorious slow starter every single year we've done this show, maybe every single year he's been in the NHL and was able to come out, sort of act like a captain and provide the results, you know. He put himself in the right position every single time. Obviously, he was able to stand in front of the net. He's gigantic and he's fast. And that's Chris Kreider to a T. And I'm really impressed because earlier today he was playing piano and it was just sort of like serenading himself right into saying, hey, I'm back. That this <laughs> Chris Kreider, it's time to heat up. And that's exactly what we saw tonight. Yeah, it, the Rangers needed offense to step up. And we knew, we, we said this on Monday, the guys whose responsibility it would be to step up in these games. It's as much as we've enjoyed Colin Blackwell, it's not his job to carry this team, nor should it be the expectation. The workhorses the Rangers still had in this lineup were Mika Zibanejad and Chris Kreider. They needed them to step up, and Kreider stepped up in a massive way. Kreider led this team by example tonight, and the Rangers desperately needed it, and it was great to see. Was it enough? No, because, again, uh, the Flyers should have scored about eight goals in this game, and Igor Shosturkin did everything in his power to try to steal this one from Philadelphia. The Rangers defensively weren't going to be able to keep up with the Flyers, but they they made this a game more than it ever should have been. And credit where credit is due for that. If if you told me before this game started that the Rangers would lose four to three and would be super competitive for the last two plus periods of it. I'd sign up for it. I'd sign up for it. For real. It would be that would be Again, I, I hate that it feels like every time we come into this podcast, I can't remember the last time we did a BSBOT after a win. I'm sure one exists, I don't but think, it doesn't feel like doesn't, I don't one think has so. ever happened. It's, I don't think it's happened. <laughs> no, I think it. I think it. I think it happened. Uh, Capitals? Who did they, 
who did they play? No, who they played the Capitals over the weekend, and then they didn't they beat the Flyers last week before it, we did an OT? Maybe, but it felt like a didn't the Flyers like the two the, was that the two one game? That's correct. It was close to that, but the fly I, I know all the weeks blend together at this point. But the Flyers at that point had no talent whatsoever in the, the Rangers. Yeah, the, but the Kako game. <laughs> yeah, that's correct. We we did an OT after that game. Yeah, that's true. We were, I think, happy back then. Yeah, back last week, seven days ago. The Rangers are about to go into a skid where they're going to play the Bruins twice over the weekend. Now, (laughs) there's a chance. Here's here's the other thing we should really talk about. Unfortunately, I know the reason why. It's a nationally televised game. That's the reason why. The San Jose Sharks have a player that enters COVID protocol today. They cancel their game tonight. The Rangers have a player that enters hmm. COVID protocol That's today. Quite interesting. They don't. Again, the, I I understand as I'm saying this. The answer to this question is nationally televised. But good argument could be made that this game tonight should not have been played. And if this game wasn't on NBCSN tonight, I don't know if this game would have been played. When Kako went on the list, he went on a day before the game. He went on on a practice day. Keandre goes on on a game day. 15 minutes before makes it, it, it the question should be asked i there just needs to be consistency with what the nhl is doing i guess and we're we're awfully confused about what the hell that is right uh, i don't i don't know how to excuse any of this or really know how to make sense of it my my guess in this situation would be they might know that it was a uh, contact tracing situation and if that was the case, you're probably right. I'm just saying this. This is my opinion. They could know it's a contact tracing situation where Keandre was in contact with somebody. Maybe he tested negative, but they still wanted to hold him out in that way. We don't know. We won't know. And uh, hopefully nothing more comes of this and there's not any more cases on the New York Rangers moving forward. Now that is that is Kako and Miller so far. Obviously, everyone played tonight. So if there's another, another case, I think we're in for uh, a a rude awakening here as New York Ranger fans, but let's hope that none well, of that we happens. Should, we should also point out that Heedle was on the list is now off. The he list. is now off. That is correct. And I know he's only, he's a couple weeks away at this point in time from returning. I don't know, I don't know if he made it. I don't know if Quinn, Quinn didn't make it sound like weeks. He's skating now, but I don't know. The Rangers are always bad with timelines. We know that the four week mark is passed. So technically we are in the window of opportunity here with Philip Heedle. Uh We also know David Quinn, will not put him back into a lineup without seeing him in practice. So Filipino will need to do a full round of practice before we see him playing hockey again. When that is, we don't know. We'll never know. We'll know when it happens. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's tough. It, it's, but to back to your point about Kreider and Zabinijad, which is what we were talking about before we got sidetracked. It was great to see. It was also great to see that the Rangers power play was able to do anything uh, without Artemi Panarin. And I, under- I understand the gripes that people have. On the-, the one gripe I accept when it comes to Alexi Lafreniere's ice time, especially in a game like today. And honestly, I've just seen enough of Ryan Strom on the first power play that I, don't- I just don't want to see it anymore. The-, the only avenue of complaint that I will accept when it comes to Lafreniere's ice time is he needs to be getting more power play time. Because we would think... A, a player of his skills, we know he's immensely talented, would benefit from getting to play man advantage minutes, especially if he's playing with guys like Kreider, Zabinijad, Panarin, and Fox when everybody's fully healthy. But especially when you don't have Panarin, especially when you don't have um, Kako, like there, there really isn't a reason 
to have Colin Blackwell on the top power play line and Ryan Strom on the top power play line than Alexi Lafreniere. So that that is, I just want to, I want to say it that that's the one complaint I, I completely understand and totally get. And this this comes down to the point where I can't sit here and say, well, he's getting time in the second power play unit because unlike any other year with David Quinn, he's playing his top power play unit for at least a minute fifteen of every two-minute power play. It's not even, so that second power play unit is almost non-existent. The second power play unit usually gets 20 to 28 seconds worth of actual offense to do something because yeah, it's usually on it's a shift a, change, and then that's when and they you get know, their and, and honestly, fair, fair play there by David Quinn. David Quinn's like, you know what? I have Artemi Panarin. I have Mika Zibanejad. I have Chris Kreider on a man advantage. I'm just going to leave them out there on the ice because something good is probably going to happen with those players out there. I don't have a problem with that strategy. If he wants to overload his first power play unit with minutes, I'm all for that. My problem tonight is I, I, don't, I don't think you can look me in the eyes and say the Rangers power play is, again, bad example for this because Chris Kreider scored twice on the power play. But in principle, just because it works doesn't mean it's a good idea. You, you can't sit here and tell me that Ryan Strom and Colin Blackwell. God bless Colin Blackwell, future captain of the New York Rangers, guy who's going to have to be protected in the expansion draft. Uh, might the, might actually have season. to be protected, by the way, yes. Yeah, no, legit protected. I There's no way you can expose Colin Blackwell at this point in time because the Kraken, if they're smart, would eat him up. Right. Um, but with that being said, I, just no excuse for me to have Strom and Blackwell on that unit when you don't have Kaka, when you don't have Panarin. It, it's... If you you can, I, to me, I don't I, I I don't accept the argument for when the team is fully healthy. I, I can see hundreds of reasons why Lafreniere doesn't get top power play minutes when everyone is out there. But on a night like tonight, when you don't have Panarin and you don't have Kako, it's kind of unacceptable. I'm with you. It's the the one thing I'll say about the only counterpoint I really have to this, and I, I, of course I want Lafreniere, the first overall pick, who's supposed to be this dynamic offensive generator. Out there on the first power play, I, I think he kind of had these power play lines at least set from the last game of putting Strom and Blackwell up on the top line and giving Blackwell these opportunities because he's performed. We've seen it over and over again with David Quinn. He loves if someone has performed, at least in his eyes, he loves to reward them. And he I don't know, that's not the case with Strom, but that's the case with Blackwell. Now, should Blackwell be up there right now? Maybe not. It probably should be the more talented hockey player in Lafreniere in the long term. Well, that, the... the... On a night like tonight, though, you can keep Blackwell on that top unit and still have a spot for Alexi Lafreniere. What I'm saying is I don't think he goes away from Strom because David Quinn trusts his vets in that way. Mika Zibanejad, Chris Kreider, and, and Ryan Strom, he trusts those guys. There's no doubt about it, and that's why they're, they they stay on the first power play, even if Strom is uh, a walking nightmare when it comes to empty nets. That's just how he's trying to win games. And I know how, this, I know how crazy is, this, this sounds, but like he he's not looking at this as what is the long-term development for Alexi Lafreniere? And and how do I get the most out of him in this situation? Is that a problem? Yeah, it possibly is. But David Quinn is looking at this 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 situation as, hey, another really great coach just got fired in Montreal today. Coaches get fired all the time. And if I don't win, we could we can argue about great coach, but I'm just saying what he thinks. Yeah. You know, so that I, I I want to argue about yes. it because I don't think he's that great. I agree with uh, I agree but, with you, but David Quinn. To finish my thought here, Greg, 
David, Qu- David Quinn sits out there and says, I need to win because I'm watching coaches get fired all the time. And the way to do that is to trust my vets who I've seen perform in Ryan Strom, in Mika Zibanejad, in Chris Kreider on the power play. And I'm not going to trust my job to a struggling first overall pick who I, who I believe will be a great hockey player, but can develop in quote unquote other ways. That's all. Now I'm going to counter you a couple ways. I, I'm not even going to get into Claude Julien bag of Nonsense. words that you opened up there. Yeah. Uh, I think Julian seems like he's entering the Jacques Martin part of his coaching career where you shouldn't trust him to be a head coach, but he makes for a very intriguing assistant. Um, that's the nicest thing you'll hear me say about Claude Julien. Uh, I do think David Quinn is playing the long game with Alexi Lafreniere. I think that is a constant strategy that he's trying to deploy with Lafreniere. What I would say is I don't think David Quinn allows two minutes of ice time a night to be the determining factor in whether Alexi Lafreniere will be a good NHL player or not. We are locked up in that. I agree with that. I I don't think – do I think Alexi Lafreniere is not developing well enough because he's averaging 13 minutes a night as opposed to 15 minutes a night? I think that's ridiculous. I I, I would agree with you there, and I think David Quinn would agree with us there. It doesn't matter – how much ice time Alexi Lafreniere gets it. What matters is what he's doing with the ice time that he has. That's how a player develops. I'm not saying the two minutes Lafreniere extra would get a night on the power play is crippling his development. Wouldn't say that. I think that's ridiculous. I think anyone who believes that is getting a little bit too lost in the weeds in their own argument in that point in time. But what I would say in this instance is one, we've seen David Quinn take Ron Strom off the top power play unit before he's done it this season and he replaced Strom with Lafreniere when he's done it. So my question is, I just, I would love to know why he keeps going back to Strom, why Strom continues to be the guy that is getting these opportunities with that line. I'm not allowed to tell you the uh, reason, Gregory. I, I swore I wouldn't speak it on this I, podcast. I, I know, I know. <laughs> and all we can do is sit here and say what our opinions are because those are all they are. There are just opinions. Hell yeah. Um, but the thing I would push back on when you said David Quinn isn't worried about Alexi Lafreniere's development and he's only worried about winning and losing games, I disagree there. I think David Quinn is super worried about Alexi Lafreniere's development because David Quinn is a smart enough man to realize he's going to need an elite level Alexi Lafreniere if he ever wants to win a Stanley Cup. Yeah, and the only way he's going to get that Alexi Lafreniere is by continuing to put Lafreniere in situations that he feels is advantageous for Lafreniere. What I would also, what I think you were trying to say, and I don't like putting words in your mouth, mm-hmm. though I do it all the time. That's correct. I don't think ice time on a given night is what determines whether Alexei Lafreniere is developing. Correct. I, 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 whether Lafreniere gets 18, if Lafreniere gets 18 minutes a night and they're bad minutes, is that better than him getting 11 minutes a night and they're solid minutes and he's playing well? I don't know. I don't fucking know. I, I know that Quinn has little missions he wants a Lafreniere to accomplish when Lafreniere is getting ice time. And I think Lafreniere is accomplishing those little missions all while not scoring 700 points that people thought he would have by the 15-game mark of his career. I, 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 I will need someone to explain to me why a player getting 15 minutes as opposed to 13 minutes is just so much better for their development. All while saying, again, I, 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 the whole reason we got on this talking point is because I feel Alexi La- there's no reason to keep Ryan Strom on a power play unit above Alexi Lafreniere. There's just none. And we said this we said this last year about Capocaco. We probably said this previously about Philip Heedle. 
Hell, we probably even said it once or twice about Leas Anderson. It, it's it's strange. What's up with Leas these Strom- days? I don't fucking What's know, nor do I care. <laughs> I saw, by the way, that Zuccarello has eight points in yeah, his last four games. Oh, my God. I miss him. And I, you know what? And la- my last point of this OOT. It is such an absolute, because we didn't even get to talk about it on Monday's podcast. Which, uh, by the way, thank you all for the kind words. We've got a lot of nice messages and responses for that podcast. It is so upsetting as a as a as a person who owns a lot of stock in Capo Caco, a literal ton, maybe the most of anybody, that to have him go into the COVID protocol during this time when he is playing was playing at a different level. I really felt like this this next level of Capo Caco was coming. He was hitting his strides. The confidence was there. There was so much happening, and for this to happen now is just an absolute bummer. And it's maybe the fifth biggest story of the week now. It's unbelievable. I hope he's back sooner than later. I hope he's healthy, and I hope I hope the same thing for Keandre Miller at this time. Uh, we're all, we we can see the edge of the woods, Greg. We're uh, the vaccines are coming, my friend. So let's get them soon enough. I just the situations that would have to happen for Capo Caco getting COVID and being put on the COVID list all while he was playing easily the best hockey of his career. For that not to be the biggest story that we talk about all week long, uh, I would have said Vladimir Putin would have had a threat in Artemi Panarin with his life in order for us to not talk about Kako all That's the time. That's exactly it. And so it, props, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, I, I edited the podcast on Monday very delicately because, you know, mm-hmm. delicate topic. You have to re-listen and go through things and make sure everything's good. And yep. we talked for Kapo Kako for under 30 seconds. That's unbelievable. It's yeah. We didn't. We 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 didn't even get to spend fifteen minutes on how the NHL thinks the sun isn't hot. Yeah, that's like, and that's when our that's when we're at our best. <laughs> yeah, that, that's our peak. I said I, we said this Monday. We've said this online all the time. We didn't get into hockey podcasting to talk about geopolitical friction. Yeah, in the Eastern Bloc. That that's we not got to talk suit. about scientific global warming and melting of ice. That's why yeah. we started hockey podcast and to talk about the Mets. Tim Tebow retired. I didn't even get to talk about Tim Tebow. I know we haven't even been able to talk about the Trevor Bauer drama of him oh, going man. at that, Noah that Syndergaard little, and <laughs> that little. Be careful! Don't get fired! Don't get fired! I'm not getting. <laughs> Not, I'm not saying what and what with what. We're none of that. None of it. None of it. None, none of it. it. I would never, never in a million years would I say any of that. But Jesus, that guy, get a life. Yeah, I can say get a life. Right? You can say get that, a life. That is allowed. That's a life. Yeah, That's he allowed. needs to get a life. Yeah, he needs to find a new one. No, Syndergaard. He does his taxes this year. Syndergaard buried him. By the way, buried him. It was unbelievable. All right. Yeah. Well, Take, bring, what, what, what was it? What was it? Uh, Keep bring your drone. Yeah. Something like that. <laughs> and then incredible then he took it too seriously and Noah was like come on dude relax Jesus. oh my god just, Bauer stinks he stinks Ryan I like I know you're so happy I, I, I am and I understand how many times do we sit here on this podcast and say like yes I get that Trevor Bauer technically makes the New York Mets a better team they would have been it would have been impossible to root for him he is an impossible figure to root for just it, I, he's got no redeeming quality none because even <laughs> I when if he would if he struck someone out and he did the Conor McGregor billionaire strut, I'd be like, ah, I'm kind of rooting for the the hitter to punch him in the face. <laughs> like, I I really like the next inning he'd go out there. I'd be like, it it actually would be poetic if Bauer got lit up for five runs this inning. 
And now the Mets aren't in a position to actually win the ball game. I, God bless him for getting his bag. Uh, him going after Tatis for apparently not getting enough money. Tatis got $340 million. Oh, my God. At some point, at some point, well, hold you're on. just making it, money that you're not ever going to be able to spend. Doesn't Tatis also have opt-outs? No, no opt-outs. Oh, no opt-outs? Okay. Yeah. Listen, I understand why he's saying that because he because he could have made, quote-unquote, more money. Dude, if someone offered me $340 million tomorrow, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> right, if someone offered me $340, forget about the rest of the decimal points. Yeah. Just $340. I'd be like, what do you need me to do? Yeah. No problem. We'll figure I don't it out. Need, I don't need more money. That's good money, $340. You do a lot with That's that. That's my weekend of pony betting. Yeah. Because apparently there are races this weekend, oh. and I need to bet them. I don't even know. Greggy bets um, is back. Hey, GameStop's game up be... today, so there you go. I, I'm not in GameStop. AMC, though. So. I'm not an AMC oh, anymore. I'm sorry. I closed out. Rest no, but Ryan, I made a lot of money. Okay, I don't, I don't need to. Okay, yeah, we're we're fine there. We're okay. My average stock price there was two sixty four, and I sold it when it was around nine dollars. Not that's, bad. That's pretty. That's pretty good not from bad. what I have understood. Um, no, that the he just he stinks. Uh, All right, and we're, we, we're you out know out what here. else we didn't get to talk about? <laughs> What's that? We didn't get to talk about my other boyfriend, Jared Klenick, who apparently is going to demand a trade because the Mariners are the stupidest organization that ever exists. Yeah, that was real dumb, wasn't it? Real Incredible. dumb. Incredible. And then, the, is he actually going to demand an Is he going to demand a trade for real though? I mean, he's not he's not going to extend extend his stay in Seattle, is he? I don't know. He's going to have to really get a sweet sweet offer from them to do that. His his quote today when he was like, "Yeah, DePoto was apologizing to the entire team." He called it like it was someone farting in a quiet room. That's not exactly a ringing endorsement for your general manager at this is point. Is that what is was that a, his legit quote? That was a direct quote. That's, That's not me putting words in his mouth. Oh my he god. He said it he said the apology sounded like a fart in a quiet room. Yeah, never mind. He's not staying there. Okay. <laughs> well Come on back, baby. We'll give you Cano back. It's fine. We'll 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 do trade backsies. You can even keep Justin Dunn. We don't need him back. Clinic was number two on my draft list the year he was drafted. I was very, 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 very high on him. Yeah, he went sixth in our draft. Yes, I know. To you, I, I picked. I picked fourth and took Joey Bart. Yes, and then I picked sixth and said, "I guess I'll take Jared Kalenic." Makes sense. Uh, anyway, he's going to be very good. We'll be back on Monday night. We'll be recording with uh, a good friend of ours, and uh, we'll save it. We'll save the spoiler for then, even though it's not really a hockey spoiler. <laughs> You're saving the spoiler because you don't know how to say your name. What Emma Vineland? Is are you sure that's how you say your last name? Vineland, probably. Whatever. Yeah, 100%. You're, mix, you're messing it up. Emma will yell at me. Whatever. So Emma's going to come on with us. We'll talk more politics and bullshit. Talk more Artemi Panarin. Hopefully not a three-game lose streak. We'll be back then. Love you guys. Bye.